It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show, James Van Glad I can edit that after the fact. All right, that oh, right there, funny. he's Chris Payne. I can't wait to catch up with him. This right here is episode 700, episode 700 of Car Con Carne. I, it, it, I can scarcely believe it. I wrote about my feelings regarding hitting this milestone on LinkedIn. It seemed like a LinkedIn thing to do. I talked about everything I learned on LinkedIn, and you can read that by going to carconcarne.com and clicking the link. So when I hit episode 600 last April, I invited like 20, 25 guests to join me. I called it Night of a Thousand Stars. It was fun. It was chaotic. It was kind of a train wreck. The thing is, I, I love doing stuff like that. So I'm taking a similar approach tonight. I, I don't have any behind the scenes help, which makes it challenging. But for tonight, episode 700, I've invited guests that all share a common thread. We all work together at Q101, the, the Chicago radio station that vanished off 101.1 FM over 10 years ago when it was sold to a fledgling and shitty radio company called Merlin. All right. <laughs> I, I don't miss the doing worst. radio. I got to be honest. I don't miss doing radio, but I do miss working with the people who I worked with in radio, radio personalities, air talent, some of the, the smartest, interesting, funny, quick people I, I've ever known. And who better to invite for a podcast episode like this? So Chris Payne is my first guest and I've tried to stagger people. We'll see how that works. Uh, it's kind of like, a, <laughs> it's kind of like a Royal rumble. So like, you know, we'll start with, okay, Chris Payne and Alan Cox are going at it. And oh, my God almighty, here comes Zoltar into the conversation. <laughs> That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Well, it, well you, you might actually intersect at some point shortly. That would be great. Right? Right? Yes, it would. That would be great. Uh, I should mention also, you know, there are some people who won't be appearing tonight, which may make people curious. Uh, I did invite people who currently work in radio who'd get in trouble for doing Interesting. This. Yeah, right. So like our, our mutual friend Sludge, who now goes by the surnameless Brian. I figured he'd yeah, probably right. get in trouble. Who's Brian? <laughs> right. What? Okay. That's a that's a really weird thing with radio, right? At some point, there was a trend in radio where surnames were not used, and everyone just, hey, we're your friends. You just you know us by your by your, our first names, but now it's just a bunch of nondescript, faceless people. people. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's up? It's Bob. Yeah. Here's twenty one yeah. pilots. Who the fuck is Bob? Who cares? Yeah, I don't Bob know. Nothing special about it now, right? Exactly. So Brian's off the hook. Same with my spirit animal, Tim Virgin, yeah, uh, who's right. currently working in the radio. Brian, the whipping boy, uh, who doesn't love Virgin? Brian, the whipping boy whip. Well, you know, he just started a new morning show at the mix this morning. And if I had to guess, uh, the people who run his radio station probably don't want him talking to anyone who's media adjacent, such as myself. Absolutely not. Yeah. That's not happening. They've had a year. He's not year. even listening. He's not even listening right now. You're right. <laughs> He's so afraid. He's being very, very careful about that. Exactly. Uh, couldn't oh find God. it. Couldn't find a couple people. Robert Chase. Don't know where he went. Fook wouldn't return my message. Um, and man cow. He's probably going to come up at some point. I figure with his gubernatorial run, I'll do something one on one with him down the road. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. 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 He lives like five minutes away from me. <laughs> That's perfect. All right. So I, I mentioned Chris Payne. You did the smartest thing in radio. I remember when we started working together, you were going to law school. Right. I thought, oh, shit, he figured this out. Radio is a, a fun hobby, but it's not an end game. You, you figured that out before the rest of us. Yeah, well, you know what? I, I, I knew I had to do something else as soon as, <laughs> you, you know, it, it actually, I, I thought about finding a different career 
um, when, um, uh, God, what was that, uh, that, uh, that uh, one company that was posting music for free online? It had like the little animal with the horns on it. I've drawn a blank. Um, you remember, James. Maybe I do. Maybe this, this guy can help. I'm a uh, so I'm a Chris Payne started at Q101. He worked in Rock 1035 before that. Started at Q101 in the late 90s. And when I left Q101 in December of 2000, Chris took over uh, my, my weekend show, Local 101, and wrote it to the very end. I mean, Chris, you were at Q101 for 13 really years. Yeah. yeah, 13 like, years. A shockingly long time in radio. And you were the last voice heard on that radio station. Yeah, that's true. That it, it was actually funny that they allowed. Uh, welcome, Haima. How's it going, buddy? Love you. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> Haima Black, was, who produced Local 101. Absolutely. Haima and I worked together like 14, 15 years. But yeah, yeah it was I, an honor when they asked me to do it, to Haima and I, to, to do the last show on Q101. They even gave us like an extra two hours to, to finish out the night because uh, I guess I was the the... I was on Q101 longer than any other radio host. And because I was hosting a local 101 show, your original local 101 show, um, uh, that they asked us to do it. It was fantastic. It was great. It was a, it was a wonderful night. There's still videos all over, all over YouTube about that evening with balloons and champagne. And it was, it was insane. It was a lot of fun. Well, one of the many reasons I love Haima Black, why everyone loves Haima Black. He took, I mean, I, I was just talking, Chris, about how you, spun radio into a successful legal career. Uh, Haima took what he learned in radio and became a successful podcaster. I mean, really one of the first in our city. I mean, Haima, you, you saw the writing on the wall, you saw where things were going and you built yourself a little cottage podcast empire. Well, first, I mean, Hey, thank you so much for the invite. And, and it's awesome to be here with you and Chris. And I, I should say right off the bat, the only reason I was able to do podcasting is I, I got to work in, you know, these incredible radio environments with Chris and with yourself and, and a lot of the talent you were naming, like Sludge and Tim Virgin, and, and I got to see so many talented people doing it. So by no means do I want to present this idea that, like, I just stepped into podcasting and I was like, oh, I know all of this. I just, I really had a lot of great training from a lot of great people. I was really lucky on that. You really learned how to monetize it, though, Haima. Yeah, well, that was a lot of like trial and error over a very long time. So, you know, that that also did not happen overnight for sure. One thing that is not common in radio, and I'm sure you guys will agree, is that smart people usually don't succeed in radio. In fact, radio, I would argue, can be a domain of C students. Uh, the guy who is joining us now <laughs> is one of the exceptions to that rule. He is, uh, when he was on Q101, he was uh, an anchor of the Morning Fix, the, the morning show. He currently oh hosts the Alan Cox Show and WMMS Cleveland. He's been doing that since 2009. He's a drummer. He is uh, a vocabulary enthusiast. He's a wonderful human being, one of the funniest guys I've ever met. Alan Cox is here. Hey, gang, what's going on? <laughs> Cox rocks, man. What's up, man? Chris yes. Payne. Good to see you, what's my up, brother. Son? Long time. How are you? <laughs> JVL. I love it. Uh, lovely to see you, Alan. I, I haven't seen you. I haven't seen you since Jim Lynam's funeral. Mm. I was thinking about that. Yeah, that was the last time that I saw you live and in person, which is yeah. crazy. So I, I hosted for a summer. Mm -hmm. I did a, a live theatrical show, like a live talk show mm -hmm. on stage. Jim Lynam was my co-host. Jim Lynam, who was part of the morning fix with Alan, who worked on Man Cow Show for years. He was the yelling guy. Uh, if you ever heard an alley spot in between like 1997 and, and 2012, it was Jim yeah. Lynam. Um, but I had to write monologues for the first time in my life when I did that show, which is not something anyone would just have experience with unless you actually do it. Uh, Alan Cox was my ghostwriter. 
crowbar my monologue jokes. Very funny. That's why you got no laughs, JVO. That's why they were there in stunned silence. It was great. The show itself was a failure. I think I had like an attendance of no joke, 15 people per per event. But the, the monologues were hilarious. Well, I hope that it was fun to do, at least. I mean, those, you know, branching out and doing something. Absolutely. So, Ellen, as as I brought you on, I mentioned that radio doesn't typically reward smart people. I consider you a smart person. We're sharing the same type of microphone tonight. Uh, We're using the Shures. That's right. What's your take on radio in 2022? The industry. Oh, man. You know, the the line for, for people who are in radio, the line for the longest time was, if somebody told you today, should I get into radio? What would you tell them? And you were supposed to say, oh, unequivocally, yes, because it's great. These days, I think you're it's fully understandable if somebody was like, should I get into radio? And you'd say, no, absolutely not. Find something else to do. <laughs> you know, as for the state of radio, I, I don't know. I've been very, very fortunate to have um avoided multiple axes and you know i i've got a good gig boy they leave me alone as long as i bring in ratings and make money they they leave me alone so james can i throw in a really quick story about chris payne about what Ellen just said so (laughs) when i was 15 i mean i was a kid in high school i was calling key 101 i was calling rock 1035 trying to get an internship i finally get in front of chris you know to be interviewed about a potential internship as a high school freshman and I'm listening to Chris Payne's late night show on Rock 1035 where he's playing Pantera and Slayer and Tool <laughs> and interviewing Metallica. And, it, you know, to to a 15 year old kid, I was just like, this is the most badass thing I've ever heard. And so I expect that I'm going to sit down in front of this guy, meeting him for the first time. And he's going to be like, are you going to be ready to fucking rock in this industry <laughs> and like go to Metallica shows and meet Tool and stuff? And I'll never forget this as a kid. The first thing he tells me is like, all right, man, listen. You don't want to work in this industry. There's no future. The benefits are <laughs> shitty. The pay is terrible. Like, yeah. go learn another trade. And that was 1998. And even back then, you know, and like James was saying, Chris went on to become an attorney and successful at that. But even back then, he was like, "Listen, kid, run." And I did <laughs> didn't not want his. I didn't want competition from Hima. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here, kid. You're going to take my job. <laughs> See, that Chris- is that is a good test, though. The people that you tell to run and they don't run. Those are the people right. you want in the business. Yeah, that's True. right. Yeah. Yeah. Chris and I can tell you that I think the best part of doing radio, and I, I'm sure Chris would probably agree. We both did, like I mentioned, local 101 uh, at Rock 1035. Chris did the Chicago Rock Show, independently programmed programming. I mean, it, it was a music show. These were music shows that the corner office had no control over. Being able to do that and basically have management not pay attention to or, or, or give a shit about what aired on the weekend was the most gratifying, liberating, fun way to do radio. It was amazing. It's like what radio was supposed to be. We could play whatever songs we want to. We could interview whoever we wanted to. And I actually, near the end, and Heimel can confirm this too, I was kind of moving away from a lot of the the music and, and we were conducting a lot more interviews because the artists really had some great stuff to say and a lot of fantastic uh, Chicago musicians. And, uh, and, and we even diversified even, even further. I remember Haima introduced me to, um, to Chase, the rapper. Uh, I'm sorry, Chance, the rapper. I apologize. Um, and that was, uh, and I'm like thinking, wow, 
wow, this is just not even close to local 101 or Q101. Let's do it. <laughs> and um, so all kinds of fun stuff like that. I mean, it was fantastic. You just don't, you don't see that anymore. And, and during that era, even, even radio hosts couldn't really play what they wanted to. And Jaime was talking about the, the Pantera and Slayer. Uh, that was 103.5. And the, uh, I, we were, I was on such a, a night slot. And we were doing really good in, in ratings. So I don't remember who was programming at the time, but they actually gave us the freedom to play. First, it was like, well, you can play one song that you pick every quarter hour. And then it went to two songs and then three songs. And by the end, um, probably at least half of my show, we could just pick and play whatever we wanted to. I had a couple of great um, interns that I would send, we would get a phone call on a Friday night was people were partying, you know, about like the <laughs> 30 minute drive from our studio. I'd send our intern out there to like go over there. Security Dave was his name. Go there, go party with those guys, call in. I'm going to put you on live. And, and we did all of that crazy shit and no one knew, no one cared. We got away with it. So being on local 101, that was, that was kind of like bringing it back to me a little bit because we just had freedom to do whatever we wanted to. Jaime would bring any artist that, that he wanted to we'd we'd bring djs on the show it was a blast right Hyman? i mean yeah it was it was and you know everybody in this chat knows this but like yeah getting to do specialty radio um in the age in this modern age of when radio is just as james has been saying so safe and so neutered like that was just the coolest thing and we could play i haven't even said that during this podcast yet i've just been saying that online <laughs> I, want, I want to build up to that yeah but but yeah it was just incredible to get to play like you know local music not have anyone tell us what we should play or what we had to play which is very rare and <clears throat> excuse me very rare in radio and like chris is saying we got to interview a lot of like uh, behind the scenes industry talent you know promoters like people like that joe shanahan and of course as james knows we got to have a lot of uh entertaining interviews with scott lucas who like again everybody here knows is one of the most entertaining people you can interview on the radio I have That's the good. best story to talk about, Scott Lucas, but I'm, I don't want to take up any more time. We'll, we'll circle around and I'll tell it before I leave, for sure. Scott's one of my favorite people, one of the most talented guys in the world. I, I've always joked, it takes about 10 interviews to get to that point of good interviews with Scott Lucas. <laughs> yes, yes. He, he pushes back and he, it, takes, it takes a little yeah. while to warm up. But once once you get in that groove, it, it's wonderful. Alan Cox, I mentioned the the moments, the brief moment you were on q one doing the morning fix. What went wrong with that show? Boy, that was a show that I that I um, I've always prided myself on being uh, pragmatic to a fault with um, with my uh, professional life. I believe that people in general only have they have a finite number of good decisions in their life, and mine <laughs> mine were all in the professional column, the personal column not so much. But boy, <laughs> I, that was a show that. Uh, Mike Stern sold me on and I wanted to come back home to Chicago so badly. I had been gone for 11 years um, and Q101 was the, you know, I started at the loop as a Brandmeier producer and, and, and went off to do my own thing because I, I was like, I don't want to be somebody's professional lackey. My first time in the Q101, I, I'm already tangenting here, but um, <laughs> my first time in the building was interviewing to be Mark Goodman's producer. And so and this was very early. This is probably 1993. He was the first morning guy at Q101, right. I think, when it flipped to alt. And they Mark were like, Goodman, oh, former MTV. MTV. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And so I met Mary, who was still the MD. And I met, uh, I wow. think it was still Bill, who was the PD. Mm -hmm. 
And wow. um, Mark Goodman, it, that did not end up being a fruitful uh, interview. What rent went wrong with the morning fix? Uh, where do you start? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, Wait, I we should, should explain what it is. I mean, it's been a while. So people watching this or listening may not even know. I, 15 I should have probably years ago, uh, 15 years ago, last September, we signed on and we were in the unenviable position of it's the old axiom. You don't want to be the guy that replaces the guy, right? We all know you want to be the guy who replaces the guy. So in between man cow and Sherman and tingle was this, um, uh, highfalutin high concept show called the morning fix, uh, easily a footnote in Q101 history. But again, I wanted to come back so badly and Q101 was the only station that I had really wanted to work for. And so they said, we need somebody who has a background in standup, which I did before radio and radio because we're putting together what essentially amounts to the daily show for the radio. And so we collected this team of people and I made some amazing friends uh, from that show that I'm st I still talk to and whatever, but it was uh, my quote from Rob feeder in your book, James was bold, but flawed is what he called it. And I was like, wow, that's, <laughs> it's so diplomatic and optimistic at the same time. Um, but I don't know what, you know, there were a million different explanations. Uh, you know, uh, success has a thousand fathers, failure is an orphan, that whole thing, you know. But uh, I don't know. People said it should, it was the wrong show at the wrong time for Q101. And that's probably the most succinctly we can put it. I mean, to replace Man Cow, <clears throat> when, it, when Mike Stern first came to me, I said, well, this is a negotiating tactic to get Mancow to re-sign, right? You guys aren't going to put this together. You're just trying to back him up against the wall. And they go, no, no, he's gone. It's a done deal. We're going to put this show together. And Mike Stern wanted it to work. Everybody wanted it to work. But it was the wrong time at the wrong station at the wrong, you know, Jimmy and I would sit there because he was the only one. I mean, a couple of people had previous experience in radio. But Jimmy and I bonded pretty quickly. And, and upon meeting him, I'm like, this guy's going to fucking hate my guts because I knew who he was and, and his pedigree with that with Mankow. And I was like, this guy's going to hate my guts. But we hit it off right away because he knew I, I, I had there was a bullshit with me or anything like that. Yeah. And so it was very apparent pretty early on. Boy, this is not going to last, but let's have a good time. And when it came down to just they blew everybody else out after a year. They had a huge one year. And you remember this at the Republic nightclub downtown. It was this old club that what you might not have even gone, but they well, had. No, I didn't because I, I was about to get fired. So okay. I, I was so I was <laughs> that writing was on the wall. So I didn't really feel like yeah, supporting the team. Yeah, understood. <laughs> there was this old club called Republic and it was right down the street around the corner from Joe's. It was like weed and something else. Mm -hmm. And they threw this big fucking one year morning fix anniversary party. And there's a red carpet and Klieg lights and all this stuff. And I'm like, Jesus, you know, in retrospect, I go, they did that knowing they were going to blow out everybody, but me and Jimmy uh -huh. and they still spent the money and they still did the thing. And they walked everybody through that thing. Now today that would never happen. You know, in front oh, office, no. they go, Oh, well, there's no way we're dropping money on this. This thing's going to be done in six months. They would have thought even further out, you know, this thing's going to be done in six, nine months. What went wrong with the morning fix? I have no idea. I was happy to be part of it. I, for however brief a period of time, I still have my Q101 business cards. I, I just, you know, who knows? 
Two people from that show are dead now. What does that say? I want to bring on our next guest because it is like the Royal Rumble. Like, okay, Haima, Chris, and Eleanor going at it. But oh my God, look who's in the <laughs> ring. It's Alex Quigley. But before I do that, uh, to bring bring it back to Jim Lynham, uh, the late Jim Lynham, who, who is a friend to our, all of us, uh, who is part of the Morning Fix. In, in this book I wrote uh, when Q101 went away, I interviewed a lot of people about the history of the radio station. Jim talked about what went wrong with the Morning Fix. And he said, if you're going to do a show like that, every bit, every news report, everything you do has got to be an A plus because it's four hours. Their idea was people only tuned into the radio in half hour spurts. So they were never going to hear it repeat. What they found out was that traffic in Chicago is fucked. People are sitting in their cars for an hour and 45 minutes, two hours, two and a half hours. Do you know what they hear? The same thing repeated to me. That's where it broke down. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of those things where the explanation of it was almost hypnotizing because you go, <laughs> you'd go, yes, this could work. And, and I was so as, as much as I loved that book, reading what other people on the show had said was so disheartening to me because I was like, of course, they're right. But to a person, they were like, oh, we sat down and it took us six months to come up with a name and it was death by committee. And it was like, every, you know, everybody wanted to have their finger in it in case it was successful. Right. But it was that boy, there were a lot of days at the shamrock just getting shit faced Cause we were like, man, <laughs> this thing is, but it was a blast while we did it. One thing you can say, man, is that it was never tried before and it was never tried since. So <laughs> it was a, uh, it was a dubious brief shining moment uh, for radio in general. Those chicken strips are damn good at the shamrock. I'm not <laughs> oh, yeah. gonna lie. No doubt <laughs> about it. Yeah, pitchers right, so, of beer. That was the cheapest beer I've ever drank. <laughs> joining yeah. us is a guy who who kind of works both sides of the business, and he's done so successfully. Alex Quigley has programming genes. He has on-air genes. He he's been the program director of WPGU in Champaign, operations manager at WGN Radio, program director at the Fox. He's been on the air. He was on the air for maybe six total years at Q101. Uh, he was the midday host at 87.7 The Game. He's 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 had. An exciting career. Alex Quigley now joins us. I, I think of Alex, I think of you as a, one of radio's thinkers. I think of you as someone who like understands the business and kind of has it, has it figured out. Alex, I can't tell if you're about to cry or about to laugh. <laughs> Which is why I left. <laughs> well, I, most recently, uh, when you, it seemed like the Fox was like what you're doing at the Fox was kind of like your little radio heaven, like lowered expectations suburban signal community focus it seemed like you kind of landed in a happy place oh that ruled um you know first you know sherman being there uh in the morning so it was a nice little inn to get there and you know you mentioned uh the departed jim Lynham. um you know his his untimely death really set a few things in motion where guys like pat capone and and, and then me uh ended up there um it was it was just it was probably the most pure radio uh, experience of my life. You know, it, and I, it's funny, it didn't even last four years. Um, it felt like longer in a, in a good way. Um, it, it, it took a lot of beating a head against the wall for those first six months, you know, asking, pleading with my general manager just to trust me, let's, let's do this, pleading with the sales staff, come on, we can make this work. Let's talk crap about the guys downtown. They're 45 miles away. We're out here, you know, and, you know, it's Chicago's just so big and sprawling that there are, you know, 
there's other pretty good radio stations in like inland LA, uh, KCAL was, you know, a classic rock station that's kind of always gotten by, by not being one of the downtown LA stations. Um, same with the Long Island radio. Um, there's pockets of it here, or there. Uh, we, we had a completely hands-off owner. Like, like I literally never met him. <laughs> I never saw him or spoke to him ever. So I saw an email from him once. Uh, so I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Peter Handy was a person. Although Peter Handy sounds like a fake joke name, if you think about it out <laughs> loud. <laughs> and uh, I, I enjoyed it. But, uh, you know, again, for so many hardworking people to really do a good job, uh, like everyone was there at the Fox, and then for us all to get screwed again, it's just kind of like, all right, <laughs> let's, let's, let's try something in businesses that aren't shrinking. Um, and... Right. I remember everyone in radio that I ever knew was always worried about being fired. Everyone, every single person. Yeah, you never could get comfortable. Never. No matter who you were working for, what your situation was, you always knew that that was how the story ended. Yeah. It, they would tell you to leave. It wouldn't be you saying, well, thanks. I'm going to try something else. Except, <laughs> except for a few select weekend part-timers at Q101 who they forgot to fire when the station was off That air. was us. They forgot to yeah. fire us. <laughs> and we had to like go back and, you know, like I trained the news station people who, you know, took over the 101 frequency after Q101, like set them up with some studio stuff. I didn't mind doing that. That was fine. I got paid. So I guess like hung around the radio station for a month. And it was kind of like being in purgatory. It was like everybody passed on, like all my high school graduating classes <laughs> off to college, like, and I'm in summer school. Um, so everyone does get fired, except for the very few select of us who have to be like, hey, remember to fire me. I know yeah, it's way true. low on the ladder. It's true. I pulled three more paychecks after everyone was fired. And, and I, when I wasn't even going to work, I'm, I'm on the phone with Haima. Are you still getting paid? <laughs> yeah, me too. Should we tell them that we, that we used to work here? I didn't know that. They completely <laughs> forgot about it. Wow. You're like Milton in office space. <laughs> yeah. And I, I literally asked someone, I won't name who, but I literally asked, I said, why am I still here? And I didn't, I wasn't saying it ungratefully, but I was curious. And they literally <laughs> said to me, and like, and I'll, I'll tell you guys who it is off the air, but they literally said to me, oh, they forgot to fire you guys. Like just flat out confirmed it. <laughs> Pretty well-run company. Yeah, very funny. <laughs> that was very, very funny. God, that I forgot volumes. That. So let's, since I have the, this interesting consortium of people here, what were, what were some of the highlights for you? If you're, I mean, Alan's radio career is still going strong, stronger than really most anyone's. Uh, but what were some highlights along the way? Some memorable things where you think, oh man, I can't believe I got to do that. We're talking about Q or are we talking about? Just... We can talk about radio in general. I mean, we all worked at Q101, but I mean, certainly your various experiences go far beyond that one radio station. Yeah, but I feel like people want to hear about the Q stories, you know, like those, God, I got there in, in 2000, uh, like December of 2000 or January of 01, maybe. And those first few months where I was just like, I was still getting starstruck. I didn't get nervous on the air, but I'd get nervous right after the show, like a little shaking, like, oh my God, I just, I just drove up from the cornfields and champagne, champagne and I just did a four hour show on the awesomest rock station in the country. So that never really went away for me. Um, you know, the sheer amount of callers, even like a late night show would get, you had, there's, you know, there's a whole damn city that's awake. Right. And it was interactions with callers and getting them to say dumb things on the air was really great. 
<laughs> that's kind of like the spirit of everything that we did. Like, no, don't just request mud vein. Tell me, <laughs> tell me about that meth you're cooking up in there, Scott. You know, like. <laughs> I, I, I think it, it sounds kind of sad and desperate when I hear jocks and apologies if you do this, Alan. I, I, I don't know, but when you hear jocks now say, "Hey, give me a call," you know, call the request line at you know five nine one six 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 six, because you know that no one's calling. Like that's just that that's that's a legacy of, of a bygone era. Like who picks up the phone to, to request Seosin on a radio station? There? <laughs> was that a drink? Oh, that was a drink. Yeah, that was a drink. Seosin. That was a drink. Well, who picks up the phone for anything? Like, I don't. Yeah. Right. There you go. <laughs> I I mean, my mom, I'll answer the phone. If it says, yeah, mom, okay. Like if my daughter were to call me, I'd pick up. Other than that, it's voicemail. Right. When you get a phone call these days, it's enraging. Seriously? <laughs> It's an inconvenience now. You look and you go, and, and they've done that thing over the past couple of years where they try to spoof numbers that yes. you might know. Like, I still have a 312 cell number. I never change my phone number because why would you? And so I'll get spam from 847-312, you know, and you know it's all bullshit, but that's what they've tried to kind of foist upon you now. I don't ever tell people to call my show. Uh, because the way I lay my show out is it's a talk show. So I have four hours of dead air to fill up every day. So the way I lay my show out is uh, the show is laid out. If callers call to interrupt me, uh, maybe I'll throw them on once in a while, but it's never, ever going to be contingent on callers for content because yeah. you're screwed whether you're playing music. I mean, music, obviously it's, it's less of a thing, but if you're doing a talk show and you're hoping people call, you're out of luck. Because there's been a there's also been a huge shift toward people just texting. So a lot of times there'll be shows where there'll be days where I will take maybe a couple of calls in four hours, but I'm reading people's texts all the way through because those are more immediate. People don't have time to wait on hold anymore or the inclination. So I, I would never even rely on callers. I'm going to take back the question I previously asked. What, what are some of your favorite radio crutches or things that make you wince for me i was just reminded of one here's some requested music from imagine dragons <laughs> that's a twofer because no one would ever request that right <laughs> <laughs> no. you know it's bullshit yeah the one that stands out to me that i still hear on the radio like these days is like you know i'll be listening to a station well i'm going to throw two quick ones in here one i'll be listening to a station and they'll say like, hey, you know, coming up after this, we've got the new one from the weekend. And I just think if I'm a huge weekend fan, which, you know, who doesn't like the weekend? But if I'm a huge weekend fan and I learn there's a new song, A, I'm probably not learning that from radio. And B, I'll just go to Spotify right now and listen to it. Why am I going to sit through a four minute song? But the other thing that's so weird about radio right now is like, and this has been happening for a long time, but it's like every station sounds alike. And it used to be that the rock stations sounded alike and the pop stations sounded alike. But now everything is just sort of in the middle. So you'll hear the same thing on an alternative station, a pop station, a hip hop station, and like the, you know, soccer mom station or whatever. Because all like the song, it's the exact same thing, you know, like an Imagine Dragon song, for example, or like that Glass Animals song that's fucking terrible. Like they'll just be on every station because it's the exact same thing on all formats now. There's not like a divide. It, versus, it used to be like Lisa Loeb would be on like one station and Slipknot would be on another. And that's not the case anymore. I just love when Haima gets bitchy about songs and just <laughs> sticks the knife into him. Just like, oh, 
No yeah, one see, does it better. Listen, you, you gained a listener on that Lisa Loeb slipknot format. So shoot me an email on that one. <laughs> that was the shuffle format. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that was the shuffle era. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I don't I mean, know what I, happened. I, I, so what, one thing I'll say very, very quickly, what I'll say, you know, when you were asking about uh, high point uh, moments, for me, it was a behind the scenes thing. When I got back to Q101 and Brandmeier was down the hall, we used to have those car wash strips Oh, I think yeah. at his request yeah. between the yeah. loop and Q101. And I, since I started as an intern and a producer for him, I waited about a month because I knew he wouldn't remember or didn't care to know what was going down down the hall at Q101. And so I walked into his studio after I'd been on the air for about a month. And I go, John, I just wanted to say I'm a huge fan. And by that time, they had him in that tiny closet. It was a closet. It was probably, probably a former prod studio or something down there. It was. No, it was a closet. He, yeah. um, he, he actually requested that himself. And I believe it was Man Cow. Uh, that wanted those plastic uh, car wash uh, straps put up because they hated each other so yeah. much. Yeah. Uh, but Brandmeier, I mean, he was he was a dick. I mean, he was rude. Yeah. Wouldn't talk to anybody. He would he 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 would like sneak in and out. It's like, who cares? Yeah. yeah I, I, Alex, were you his boss at GN? I mean, on paper. I mean, not really. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I mean, that was a weird time. I. I don't know what I can say legally about that. Um, it, uh, yeah, he was a bad fit. And it, that was, I, ca I can't believe that that was the morning show. Uh, I can't believe that that was the morning show. Um, you know, the morning fix, we were talking about, you said wrong station, wrong time, maybe. Something, was that what you said, Ellen? Yeah, kind um, of. But I think there, there are things about the fix that actually were good. Uh, yeah. and, and, and you had funny people trying hard. Um, I love Grandmire's crew. I think they're awesome people, all of them. Um, yeah, the people were great. But uh, yeah, he was prima donna, man, all the way. In, in, in very, very unproductive ways. There, there's a group or a graduating class of on-air personalities who just have always put themselves out there as completely unmanageable. I think Johnny's one of them. I don't think you manage Steve Dahl. You don't manage Man Cow. You don't manage Kevin. There's like that, that whole superstar radio class they don't let themselves be managed and certainly not at the the program director operations manager level no <laughs> no nope that was kind of uh that sucked <laughs> but also the era of that personality is over too and i think a lot of those people didn't realize the ground was shifting beneath their feet and so what happened was i love john i'll never say a bad word about about him just because coming from that show in good ways and bad taught me how to do radio as i watched him I, I spent the first few years of my my own career thinking that it was lazy to tell stories about yourself now that's second nature to everybody who's on the radio is it's confessional and that's a but brandmeier you didn't know if he was married you didn't know if he had kids you didn't know it was all content nonstop. and so it took a long time for me to be like Oh, you can work some anecdotal things in and you're not being a, a shithead or whatever. But he he was one of those guys that I think to his detriment never evolved his show. He was I mean, by the time he was with you, Alex, he was still probably doing like wacky weenies and, and let me call my mom in Fond du Lac and, you know. Well, yeah, and the bears still suck. The bears still suck. Yeah, of course, he's playing the bear still suck song. On WGN. Chicago morning radio <laughs> after a horrible Bears loss. 
<laughs> Way to connect to the audience, buddy. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 funny because that uh, you know the the actual I forgot the name of the program. The thing that has all of his drops and all of his music. It was really easy to it searched really fast. It's like a three sixty. So, yeah, but like a, it was like a DOS version of it. Yeah, yeah. It literally is the same. Was the same computer. It got installed by our engineers there. The exact same one that was at the loop. It, it was the, so like you said, he didn't evolve. Now he literally had the exact same equipment. It was the exact yeah. same drops. It was all the same. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, 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 can I talk about a fun one? I, I, I don't. Yeah. I, I want to be. Let's, let's get positive here. <laughs> First of all, the last night when when Chris and and, and Haima and we were all there partying, playing local H. That that was and still, on the I'll, Bible. I'll never forget that. That was so cool. We're screaming, we won. I don't know why we did that. Um, but we were screaming, <laughs> Again, we being positive, spinning things in a positive direction. I loved, uh, I've told the story before, I think. Uh, but there was a, when Weezer came back with the Green Album, you know, it kind of came back from the dead a little bit. And they played a secret show, ended up being at a bowling alley out, out here by where I live now, on East Dundee. I think the bowling alley is gone. We did the whole geographical clues, listen to Sludge during rush hour um, and then, oh, it's north of I-90. It's east of 31, whatever. And I got chosen to be the person who went out along with promo and had 500 of those wristbands. The wristbands, the only way you got in the show and the only way you knew where to go was if you were listening. And somebody close to the band leaked on Weezer's website and they had a pretty strong rabbit online base back then they were before. like early on that yeah mm-hmm. yeah carl's corner i think was that the, something like that the name of the website and i remember with horror i think it was janine moose we we we, we kind of like look at this screen and it's got 55 55 trillion weight like they had the address where we were supposed to go so we had to call an audible at the last second so we we took my personal car because it didn't have markings on it and there was a little dog park just north of uh, of Route 72 Higgins Road there. So we drove by this 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 giant like campus building, NIU or U of I, something like that. And there's already a thousand people there. There's a thousand people there. I'm not exaggerating. Sure. And they figured out I, I had to do another call in with Sludge. And I made some reference. I was like I was smoking weed at a dog park. I don't know. I had my friends bark in the background. And slowly this trickle of people started coming down this long winding dog park but then and this is right in the very beginning of the cell phone era so it wasn't it wasn't instant like it would be nowadays people were just parking on higgins road like and that's a 55 mile an hour road (laughs) (laughs) and getting out and running into the woods and i just i'll never forget seeing those last few cars as you know hey all right enjoy see you at the show looking down 10 more left eight more left and just hoping that that last car has the same amount of people in it as I'll have wristbands. And there were three in that car and I had one final handful of three, here you go. <laughs> then I just followed, I ran to my car, my friends were with, were with me and we bolted out of there and oh, the yeah. faces, everyone's faces, because they were lined up a hundred cars deep trying to get in this little winding path. They realized, oh, we're fucked. <laughs> we're too late. Oh, it was, but it was, it was such a tangible and real connection where our stupid voices going off through the radio waves created like this fun moment and, and nobody got hurt as far as I know. So that's good. 
Chris, I, I want to mention, first of all, I'm wearing a button down shirt. I knew I thought I would put on a hoodie, which is what I normally wear for a podcast. But I knew <laughs> okay. if you were going to be the first person on screen, I'm like, well, shit, he's an attorney. He's a partner. There's no way he's going to be dressed down. So I, 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 I'm wearing a button down, knowing full well that you would at least be wearing a button down, if not a blazer on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know you're this an inspiration. Is me dressing down now. <laughs> you, you've inspired me. But Chris, I'm I want to ask you because I, this is one of those rare moments where we get to interact on a microphone. Talk to me about the thrill of finding an unknown band, an unsigned band, a local yeah. band. Wow. Hearing it for the first time and thinking, oh my God, like, it, like you found the diamond in the rough because there's right. no feeling like it in radio i don't think yeah and you know what honest to god i mean i'm i'm really blessed Jaime as well i mean he was by my side the the entire time but we we are blessed to have actually played some really spectacular recognizable bands for the first time um chevelle for example um uh, for years every time i would interview sam he would always he would always make a point to, to remind us and all of our listeners that the first time he ever heard uh, a Chevelle song played on the radio was when he was in the dr his driveway with his girlfriend and they were making out. And, uh, and suddenly he hears a Chevelle track uh, live on the radio in the car. So, so that was an, that's an awesome memory. And uh, same thing with Rise Against. I mean, Tim tells a very, very similar story that the first time he ever heard a Rise Against track was on local 101 and and we played those guys and um and i mean there's like more there's like on, i can go on and on but um that just having that and knowing that you were just some little part of it i mean obviously the band is you know they're the ones that are the talent and that they are the ones that put all of the hard work and effort in it into it but just like the opportunity to to find a band like that and something that you think is really totally cool it's kind of like you know you're, you 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 hear a great song and the first thing you want to do is tell your best friend your buddy oh my god man i totally heard this killer song it's amazing you got to check it out it's going to be great that's the way Haima and i felt every single sunday night and and we really were just playing what we thought was the coolest music at the time and just wanted to expose it to everybody and 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 hope that that people would dig it and and it would it would blow up and we're really just very lucky that some of those those artists actually did really blow up not because of us but we were just happy to play them on a commercial radio station for the first time in in their career the first time that happened to me was I was working at a radio station in Milwaukee, 93 QFM. I was hosting a late night show there and um, I was driving back. It was a snowstorm and I was listening to Loyola's a radio station because they were playing some really cool, edgy stuff. We're talking about in the early in the, in the 98, maybe 96, uh, no earlier than that. And uh, Thunder Kiss 65 by, uh, by White Zombie, who, you know, started blasting through my stereo. I mean, I literally slammed on the brakes. I pulled over. I called the DJ that was on, on Loyola. And I'm like, who is that? And uh, so they told me who it was. I'm like, do you have an extra copy of that? I want to play that. They're like, yes. So I literally drove to the studio. They met me on the street. I grabbed the CD. I played it the next time I was on the radio. And Rob Zombie actually even remembers that to this day. So it's, it's, it's exhilarating to just have that opportunity to introduce, you know, your friends, whether it's, you know, your buddies in the room or if it's, you know, a, you know, 
250,000 people that are listening to on the, on the radio. And we were cuming that number uh, every quarter hour when we were on Local 101. It was just amazing. Hard to believe. Hard to believe right now. A, a topic for a future episode discussion, music curation in the modern day. I, I think yeah. we could probably talk for an mm-hmm. hour about how to find new music, what's changed, who are, who are the new curators, and you know, how important is something like word of mouth or hearing something on the radio? Topic for another day. All right, because this is Royal Rumble style tonight, a couple, <laughs> couple people in the waiting room, I'm going to uh, kick all four of you out of the ring before I do. Final thoughts, Chris Payne. Oh, God, man. I'm just happy to be here at JVO. So great to see you and Haima again and uh, Alex and Alan Cox, man, some of my best friends in radio. Uh, I was sitting here thinking... I was sitting here thinking as I was listening to everyone talk, and and I really forgot how many great friends that uh, that we've all had in radio. And people come and go. Virgin, how many times did he come and go from Chicago? Um, but you always just know these people and remain friends. And uh, and I'll say for the, the the three of you guys, the four of you guys, it feels like not a moment's gone past. For real, for real. Seriously, right. glad Chris to Payne. be here. Love you guys. Thanks, Chris. Same hey, to I'm you, a, brother. Hey, man. I'm a black. Yeah, I mean, everything Chris just said, I mean, I I always felt very fortunate because radio was the industry I wanted to work in. I got to work in it for my entire 20s, and I learned an incredible amount that I was able to really bring over into a a lot of other career choices. And so I always feel, to this day, I feel fortunate for all the time I had at Q101 and everybody I got to work with and learn from. And it really, like, it, it was the best... Let's put it this way. I dropped out of four colleges. This was the best education I ever could have gotten. Like everything I learned from working in professional media with creative people. So feel very fortunate. James, thanks for the invite and congrats on 700 episodes, man. Thank you. I'm a black. Alan Cox, one of the last radio professionals still standing on tonight's call. (laughs) Yeah. No, listen, man. uh, Like I said, Q101 was the station that I uh, wanted to work for when I came back. And it was... Uh, not to be maudlin, it was a big thrill to meet you because I was familiar with you. I was like, holy shit, JVO is still a Q101, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so by the time I got there, I'd been around the block a couple of times. And so I wasn't necessarily in a position where I felt like I was overwhelmed because I was like, yeah, I worked and uh, to get back home and do this or whatever. But it was so awesome uh, to to meet you at that time and to just be around uh, the people that were at that radio station. And so you know, like Chris and Hyma said, like, it really feels like not that much time. I have to think about how long ago that was. And it's like, um, it's good and bad that it doesn't seem like that long ago. So miss you guys. I'm, I'm happy to be part of this. I appreciate the invite. Thank you. Alan. lovely to see you. Lovely to talk to you. We, and let's not make it another 10 years or whatever. It's been. Yeah. All right. All right. See you, dude. Later, Alex, Alex Later Quigley. On. The, I guess, the, uh, the, the great radio thinker, Alex Quigley. The first thing I was going to say, I, I wish he was still here, is how the hell is Chris Payne not aged? Yeah, We're it's a little disturbing. About, it's a little disturbing. Like, he, like, I'm not even, like, doing, like, some sort of cheap pop, like, oh, good-looking guy. Like, no, he looks exactly the fucking same. It's been 20 years. Vampire. Vampire. This is some kind of weird Dorian Gray thing. Uh, <laughs> so these days, you're, you're not in broadcasting. No. Um you, you want to plug what you're doing or is that not something? For uh, well, no, that's fine. I mean, I work for shield Illinois. I'm an assistant director of marketing. I'm really proud of the work that, that we do. Um, you know, a bunch of really smart people figured out how to catch COVID-19 in tests 
as accurately as, as possible. No one else has invented a more accurate test and also quickly as possible. Um, and, you know, and, and it's saliva based, not up your nose with a rubber hose. So it's, it's easier to do. And I actually really, really enjoy like the way that, uh, you know, doing something that, that's kind of important in helping people, you know, we're trying to stop spread of, of COVID and trying to minimize misery. Um, and so being in marketing for that, a lot of that's just trying to like find new ways of telling the, the same story over and over again, much like you and I have found new ways to talk up the 17 seconds of it's been a while from stained uh, 75,000 times in our lives. So uh, I like that. Uh, I don't miss radio. I like, I mean, if this was what radio was, it's like friends talking, well, yeah, then I miss that. But, you know, I, I had a great time. Um, so many friends and so many great things in my life, but you know, it's, I'm not an old man, but I'm not, I'm not young anymore either. And, and I said the same thing. I don't miss doing radio. I miss the people I worked on radio with and then selfishly. That's what I'm kind of, that, that's the itch I'm scratching tonight. Well, good, man. I'm glad I could help you uh, scratch. All right, Alex quickly. Thank you. Uh, we'll talk soon. Goodbye Alex quickly right there.